in this season of Lent, I've been making a practice of listening, trying to listen more carefully to those around me, and trying to listen more deeply to myself, to hear that inner voice that it can be so easy to miss. Some months ago, Julia Bethman shared with me a podcast by the writer and speaker and former pastor Rob Bell, an episode he calls You Listening to You. And it has been so helpful that I've started suggesting it to other people too, and I commend it to you. And if you want to listen to it, I'll put the link in the sermon text on our website so you can find it there. You know what I've discovered? You know what happens when you listen? You learn things. You even learn things about yourself. And this may be uncomfortable sometimes, but it's good and it's necessary if we want to grow. Lately, this listening has made me aware that my life has been shaped too much by fear. Fear of making mistakes, fear of letting people down, fear of failure. I think of a person that I admired in her later years in the Portsmouth UU Church. She was in her mid-80s at least when she started saying, I want to be less of a worrier and more of a warrior. It is part of our human condition to have doubts and fears, and to some degree, they can help us. They can help keep us safe and also keep us mindful of our own limitations. If someone is saying to you, don't go down that dark alley, then it's good to listen to that, right? If there's a voice inside saying, don't eat that food that's been at the back of the refrigerator for who knows how long, (laughs) you want to listen to that, right? And if the young people who are getting their driver's licenses, if they have some sense of the risk that they are taking when they get behind the wheel, then that's a good thing and a healthy fear that will help to keep them and others safe. But fear can hold us back from our true callings, from being fully ourselves, from doing and being what we are called to and what we are capable of. And that's what I want to talk with you about today, because I've become aware, as I just said, that fear has become more of a motivating factor in my own life than I would like to admit, and I imagine that I might not be the only one. Too often I have kept on running, kept doing stuff, even stuff that wasn't mine to do because of this fearful voice inside my head saying things like, you need to do more. 
You need to move faster. You need to earn your keep and prove your worth. Anybody else here ever hear voices like that? Now, I believe in the goodness of work and that we are meant to find the work that is our own and do what we can to make this a better world. I'm just starting to see that though fear can be a powerful motivator, it can lead one the wrong way. What would happen if we could do less things out of fear and instead start listening to love and doing what we love? Within each of us, we have these voices of those who taught us and helped us and formed us when we were young people and customs and institutions. And their voices can stay with us our whole lives, directing us, unless we engage with them and sort out which of these voices are useful and which are not. What are the voices that you hear? Are they helpful? Or do you need to start listening to a different voice? The great spiritual teachers down through the ages, they have understood that we are not meant to live in fear. You heard it in the gospel reading this morning when Jesus said to Peter, Take heart, I am here, do not be afraid. For Jesus, the opposite of faith wasn't doubt. It was fear, and you hear this over and over again. Julian of Norwich reminds us that in the midst of struggle and suffering, the invitation is to trust, as she said, all shall be well, and all manner of things shall be well. These teachers invite us to see underneath the surface of things, and to seek after balance in our lives. The Buddha initially undertook a path of study and then tried a practice of self-denial. But it was his practice of meditation that brought enlightenment. Jesus spent his ministry teaching and preaching and healing but he would regularly get away by himself in order to be renewed and restored. And we live in a faster and louder and more complicated world than they did, right? You have to find balance and you have to know how to be grounded if you're going to thrive in this world and if you're gonna be helpful to others. I think of Desmond Tutu and the Dalai Lama, Desmond Tutu, who fought against apartheid in South Africa, witnessed some of the worst things that human beings can do to one another. And the Dalai Lama, who was persecuted, forced to leave his homeland and into exile. But when these two get together, they say they are like schoolboys, laughing and cutting up. Though they know plenty about injustice and suffering, when they got together to write a book, the book they wrote is called The Book of Joy. They remind us that though suffering and fear are part of the human condition, 
They are not supposed to control us or define us or limit us. In the story we heard this morning about Jesus walking on water and Peter trying to do the same, I hope you're not worried about the technical challenges inherent in this story. I hope you didn't get stuck there. I hope you're not taking it literally because it's a story. It's meant to be symbolic. So I hope and encourage you to enter it that way. Jesus was probably tired after a day of feeding 5,000 people. Another symbolic story, right? Nobody knows how many people were gathered there or how it actually happened. I think of like if you are Christmas shopping and you go to the mall and you come home and you say, oh my God, there must have been a million people there. (laughs) Nobody takes you literally, right? And so Jesus, after feeding those people and sending them on their way, he's tired. And so he goes off to a quiet place to pray. Then early in the morning to catch up with his disciples who are out sailing across the Sea of Galilee, he takes the most direct route, just straight across the water. Perhaps it was a symbolic way for the writer of the gospel to say, our hero, he is one special guy. Symbolic. What I find most compelling, though, is how David White imagines this encounter between Peter and Jesus and interprets it for our own lives and invites us to do this too, to reflect and wonder about these things. For me, this poem is a modern sacred text. And we printed it on the back of today's order of service in case you want to take it home with you. So let's hear it again, this testimony from David White. There is a faith in loving fiercely the one who is rightfully yours. Especially if you've waited years and especially if part of you never believed you could deserve this loved and beckoning hand held out to you this way. I'm thinking of faith now and the testaments of loneliness and what we feel we are worthy of in this world. Years ago in the Hebrides, I remember an old man who walked every morning on the gray stones to the shore of baying seals, who would press his hat to his chest in the blustering salt wind and say his prayer to the turbulent Jesus hidden in the water. And I think of the story of the storm and everyone waking and seeing the distant yet familiar figure far across the water calling to them and how we're all preparing for that abrupt waking and that calling and that moment we have to say yes, except it will not come so grandly, so biblically but more subtly and intimately in the face of the one you know you have to love. So then when finally we step out of the boat toward them, we find everything holds. 
Everything holds us and everything confirms our courage. And if you wanted to drown, you could. But you don't. Because finally, after all this struggle and all these years, you don't want to anymore. You've simply had enough of drowning. And you want to live. And you want to love. And you will walk across any, any territory and any darkness, however fluid and however dangerous, to take the one hand you know belongs in yours. Is it possible that the one you have to love is not another person, but your own true self, your own dreams and longings and hopes and faith that are waiting to take their place in your life? Is it possible that the life you are longing for is nearer than you think? This is my prayer that we will be people who are trying to trust in love. That though we will at times be afraid, that we won't be stopped by fear. That we will go where we need to go and not worry about the risk or the cost. My prayer is that we will know we are not alone. Stepping out of that boat called fear. Trusting that everything will hold. That with these companions and by the light of the heavens, we will find our way home. Amen.